Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like the show, rate, review, subscribe, smash that subscribe button. Tell somebody that you know that you're excited about the World Cup and you're excited about Lamestream Sports. I feel like we've had two guests on the show before. I believe maybe Austin and Zach from A to Z came on. But I don't know. I think that might be the only other time it's ever happened. Uh, today on the show, Tony Husband, Jamie Watson, together, your Nashville SC television broadcast crew. One happens to be from England. One happens to be from the United States. They happen to be in the same group of this tiny little event that's taking place, starting when, depending on when you're listening to this, in a couple of days or right now, the World Cup. We talk about everything under the sun. We preview the group. We preview the expectations. We talk about the history of the World Cup in England. And uh, I don't, Steve, basically everything. So grateful that Tony and Jamie gave us so much of their time this week. Uh, we talk about Jamie's potential loss of dignity. Stay around to the end. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, there <clears throat> there might have been a rap happening. We're not really sure. Um, all right. Before we do that, before you hear, and, and I'm going to get Steve to, to give us some World Cup predictions at the end of the pod here, but obviously focused on the World Cup with the greatest event in the world taking place coming up. Uh, before we do that conversation, before we have that conversation, let's remind everybody that Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business, and it is brought to you by Jaspers, always brought to you by the fine folks at Jaspers, always brought to you by Jaspers. You need, you're going to have a big watch party to watch a World Cup match. Jaspers are your people. Is your people? Are your people? This is a soccer pod, so I never know which freaking verb to use. <laughs> are United, your people? The United England are playing poorly. I don't know. I, I never. I, it's not my thing. The, you're the writer, Steve. But if you're going to have a watch party, check out Jasper's Family Pack catering options. I, I told you about the Tennessee thing, the big Tennessee Georgia party we had, and how it worked for kids, worked for adults. It works at one o'clock in the afternoon. It works on a weekday. It works on a Saturday. It's great. It's it works on a Black Friday. I know there's going to be lots of leftovers, but if you just want to feel like you have something different on you know following a day of of delicious foods and treats and eats on Thanksgiving, why don't you just uh, order Jasper's fajita bar? That'll change things up for the USA England English match. Uh, three opportunities the U.S. plays in the one o'clock uh, hour in all three of their group games. It, it's a good chance to get Jasper's to cater a lunch, to cater uh, U.S. Wales, U.S. England, or U.S. Iran. All of them good options. Yeah, at your house, uh, if you work from home, if you have an office party and you want to boost morale, you know. Like have have Jaspers come in, put the game on, wheel a TV in. First like of all, the best grade. way to boost morale is to yeah. not have people working on Black Friday. Well, I, I, that that is that's fair. I'm, I I was more referring to the Welsh match on sure, Monday, sure. <laughs> or perhaps the match with the Iranians. Uh, but either way, Jaspers is a great option. Uh, obviously, you got great specials during Preds games, home and road. You got all kinds of you know buckets of beer, two for ones on Sundays. You got the game room, all that great stuff. But uh, honestly. If you're hosting watch parties for the Titans, for the Vols, uh, for the World Cup, Jaspers is your place to do it. So there you go. Go to Jaspers, support local business. Steve, what a conversation with Tony and Jamie. Again, so grateful for their time. They gave us almost a full hour of, of conversation. We went pretty much everywhere. And uh, without further ado, here was our conversation previewing the World Cup in Qatar with Tony Husband and Jamie Watson.
Welcome to the show, Jamie Watson, Tommy Husband. Obviously, this has never been done before in the history of mankind and podcasting. Two guests at the same time on Lamestream Sports. How are we, boys? Good to talk to you. Good to see both of your faces. Honored, to, honored to be, yeah, to be the um, to be a first, eh? <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> crowning achievement of both your careers. <laughs> Accomplished um, a lot. This is up there. As yeah. one right, of the right, top. Hold on. Let's get started. Uh, let's, come let's on. Get... Come yeah. On. There we go. Yes. Come on. All right. Now we're ready to talk okay. U.S. Thinking. All right. Let's go. And, hey, and there I was thinking I would just endear myself to you all a little bit more by showing you that I'm drinking my coffee out of a, <laughs> a, a nice UT mug this morning. You get, you get you bonus know, you points on this pod for drinking out of the power tea cup. Oh, but. my gosh. Uh, pandering is allowed on the pod. That is absolutely the case. There's no there's no question about that. All right. So I want to I want to put up a scenario. I don't know if you guys are aware of what Mike Vrabel has said he would do to win a Super Bowl. I will not ask you that question. We're, this is a classy environment, here. but but I don't. But if you're aware and if you know, then you know. But here's what I want to say: You guys are great friends. You work together. You've done a great job. England and the United States are playing in the World Cup Championship match, which is the only way they could play in the knockout stage. What is it that you are willing to give up in your professional friendship with each other for a win <laughs> in that situation? <laughs> to to win the whole thing, are you willing to like disown each other, never speak again, lose a job? Like, what is it that you are willing to do for a win in that situation? Jamie, you go first. <laughs> That's the who, first thing I'm willing to give up. I'm willing to let him speak first for a change. Who's this talking to me? I don't even know this guy. USA's won the World Cup. Who's this guy that's talking to me with a funny voice? Uh, look, I would just. Um, there, there's a lot I would give up for the U.S. to win a World Cup because um, it's the crowning achievement. But also, then if Tony ever just slightly raised his voice to me, I'd be like, I'm sorry. You're talking to a World Cup champion here because obviously I'd be like essentially one of the – I was probably the 27th guy that got left off that 26-man roster. Yeah. So I'd be like, yep. you can only raise your voice if you've won a World Cup. So – <laughs> There's a lot I would give up uh, to be able to say that to Tony for the rest of my life. <laughs> Tony, what would you would, give up? Oh, my goodness. I would probably just say things like I'd give up. Uh, I'd gladly let you order the Ubers and the lifts to every stadium for, for the, <laughs> to the end of time. And I'd give up taking charge of things like that. Would uh, you give I, up tea? Ooh. Now, that's tea forever. You can never have a cup of tea again. A cup of. Well, I'm I'm drinking coffee out of my UT mug, ironically, <laughs> right now. Um, I I think I I'm not sure I would actually. Um, I, I think I would stick with tea, um, and we would definitely still need to keep beer. So it's a t- that's a tough <laughs> question to answer. My would you me. would you give up your English candies though? Because Tony Tony always has a Mars bar. And I quantify, I don't, I quantify that as like an English candy because do you guys even know what a Mars bar is? Oh, yeah. My, my six-year-old had a Mars bar and looked at me like, what's this, Dad? And I was like, it's pretty, yeah, good. Exactly. pretty good, actually. So you're, so you're doing great at parenting. Uh, so Tony <laughs> always has a Mars bar uh, at halftime. So would you give up Mars bars and English chocolates for an England World Cup? I, I would probably give up Mars bars. Yeah, I wouldn't give up dairy milk, but I would, I would give up Mars bars. And a Mars bar at halftime um, and in any game, if it meant England would win a World Cup, I think we can settle on a Mars bar. So, so the order, just so we're clear, the order goes beer, tea, dairy, 
Mars bar. Is that the order? Like that's, <laughs> that's the power. That's the power rankings of things you would give. You get to tea and beer, and you're like, nope, I don't care about the World Cup anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think don't forget. I mean, I, I have grown up on the cynicism of just failure after failure after failure at World Cup. So I'm thinking about how likely this conversation is ever to bear fruit. And uh, I go into the tournament with the same kind of English expectation and hope, knowing that we are about to have it all shattered in about three weeks' time. You're not one of those we're bringing it home guys uh, that, 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 that comes up every single tournament, even though the Euro is not necessarily coming home. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I, will, I will you know, admit to probably having broken out in song, it's coming home many times over the years, but actually probably not with uh, 100% confidence in that fact. <laughs> um, so, so no, I'm probably not. I do think, though, that the English uh, group for this World Cup is pretty good, and I do expect them to do quite well, but... Looking at the uh, the tournament as a whole, I think England to win it would be uh, incredibly impressive. I'm not saying they can't win it because I think they have got the players who can win a game, um, but I think there are one or two rosters that are probably a bit stronger once you get to the you know the latter stages. So now that we're now that we've gotten all the fun stuff out of the way and we're back to serious stuff here, and I, and I do we are going to spend a lot of time previewing the entire event, but I just want from a personal standpoint. Uh, the two of you, uh, I, you know, I, it means a lot to me as a kid when I saw Roberto Baggio kick it over the thing and I was a kid and I fell in love with soccer at that age in this country. But you guys are steeped in it way, way more than anybody else. Can you try to explain what this build up, the ramp up is, the excitement that you're feeling? You know, we know we're going to get an English U.S. match in group play, but just just what does it mean? Like, what does it mean to to people that have been soaked in it for so long? Well, th- I have a great memory about Baggio kicking it over the World Cup, uh, over the crossbar in the World Cup final, you know, 94, because I remember for like the next decade, I don't know if you were like every other kid, if you ever kicked it over the crossbar, you'd be like, Baggio. I mean, it became like a verb, you know, you Baggioed it. Like it was a, it was, it was an iconic moment uh, for one he probably um, want to forget, but none of us will. Um, look, it's the greatest month every four years, um, this tournament. And uh, it, it captivates the world's attention and it's really a springboard for the growth of this game um, in the United States. So it, it's massively important that the U S does well, that they play um, in entertaining fashion, having a game like England um, and the group stages is crucial. I think, because I think a lot of, if you, there's a lot of subsets of American soccer fans and, and I think a lot of American soccer fans probably just enjoy the premier league on Saturdays, you know, and, and watch that. So there's going to be a lot of familiar faces in that group. And then they play against the U S and then from the U S group, you're going to find out oh, a lot of those players play in MLS. And so if you're not necessarily an MLS fan yet, which I do think there is a large portion of soccer fans that we can still convert over to major league soccer, you're going to have that game um, on black Friday. And you're going to be able to see a lot of the familiar names from England, and you may fall in love with some new stars with Major League Soccer. And I think that can accelerate the growth of this game in this country rapidly. And I remember thinking back to when the U.S. didn't qualify in Trinidad uh, for the World Cup, and I was thinking, this is going to set back soccer in this country not making the World Cup because it's a missed opportunity to not convert casual fans during the World Cup. So to get USA England, it's not an easy game for the U.S., um, certainly not for England. I'd argue much harder for them than the U.S., but it's so important that we have that because I think it's going to be able to convert a lot of fans that are fans of the Premier League to Major League Soccer. 
Yeah, I think there's a bigger game, isn't there, than just the just the individual matches. This is a huge moment. I think this is absolutely it's critical for me that you know the, the US does well at this World Cup uh, with everything that's coming over the next few years. You know, the game is growing exponentially in this country anyway. Um, and so even if the US flounder at this tournament, I'm not saying that the growth of the game will stop. But there's no doubt you have a good World Cup. That can be huge for the game in this country, huge for this team. It's going to be the host team in 2026. Uh, it, you know, it's a big moment. I sometimes feel unfairly that World Cups amongst general fans around the world can often also be a little bit of a referendum on the leagues that they come from. Um, so, you know, in, in back in England, in the 1990s, we were huge fans of the Italian League, mainly because the World Cup was played in Italy in 1990. We had it on all summer. Uh, the Italians did very well. They didn't win it, admittedly, but they did very well. And we watched Italian football for years afterwards. And there's a whole generation of us that still kind of know Italian football. You know, that's our kind of second league after the English league, just because we we think back to those days. So, you know, I mean, there's a huge group of American players that don't play in MLS. But I think a lot of fans around the world will look at the U.S. team and say, U.S., right, the league over there is MLS, right? So how is this team going to get on? Even though they know they see Pulisic play in the Premier League and Aronson play and the Bundesliga players and all that. Um, so it's a massively important tournament coming up um, for the U.S. And I really, really, uh, all joking aside, dearly do hope that uh, that they do well. And just as a world spectacle, it's just, a, it's just that wonderful time where, you know, there are a few times in, in this soccer environment where uh, you look at uh, a, uh, a bracket uh, dur during the regular year and, you know, get excited about the idea of, hey, Japan against Costa Rica kicks off in 40 minutes after this game <laughs> we're watching now. And you're like, yeah, next group game, let's go. You know, but that's what the World Cup does because every game is so important. Every game matters. Uh, and it's just a great, you know, global festival. Um, I mean, and of course, just to put the journalistic point in there that, we, you know, we should not forget it's a controversial World Cup, both in the timing, both in the destination. Over the last few days, I've been watching a lot of the, the journalism that's been done, some excellent reporting that's been done, you know, charting back to how we have ended up with a World Cup in Qatar. And I'd recommend anybody to, you know, to try and watch the, the documentaries that are on Netflix. ESPN uh, E60 did a very good uh, show as well on it. And, you know, there, there's a lot to factor in. And. I know many people who are going to Qatar. I was only talking to somebody last week who was saying, you know, they're going and they feel a bit strange about it in some ways, just with, with everything that surrounds, the noise that surrounds this World Cup. So that shouldn't be forgotten. Um, but I think once the, once the ball is kicked and the games begin, you know, the, the full focus will be on that. I thought it was interesting. The U.S. opened up their broadcast and media center yesterday. Uh, there were a bunch of pictures from it. And one of the things that was up there was there was a, there was a U.S. badge similar to similar to this one but it was the rainbow badge that they that they've played like in pride games and you've seen kind of like rainbow coloring on 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 the jersey lettering and, and, and stuff like that i thought that was an interesting sort of very subtle statement to make or maybe not so subtle maybe, maybe not. uh statement to make right at the right at the beginning here because i think you're right i think a lot of people are coming to this with a certain amount of ambivalence whether it's how LGBTQ uh, people are treated uh, in the country, whether it is kind of the the migrant workers piece of this, um, it, it's it, it's an interesting. I mean, we're probably never going to have another World Cup like this where somebody just buys a World Cup kind of wholesale. Um, I, I 
has this has this dampened any sort of like excitement? I mean, or is it the timing of it? I, because I was thinking about this. Usually, like in a World Cup, you get about six months of just sort of just like ramping up and being like, all right, it's coming, it's coming, and then you have the summer. But because it's here in the fall, have you found yourself kind of kind of not getting into it until you know here a week or two beforehand? Um, I think the timing of it is interesting because of how close club games are towards it. And when you think of a, a World Cup in the summer, normally there's a few club games that go on, right? Obviously, MLS sits in the middle of its season, but they take some time off. They give a, a couple week break uh, for the lead in. Um, and then you're looking at some of the players, you know, Sadio Mane comes to mind. Um, he's going to miss it because of an injury that's just happened. Um, you know, Tyler Adams gets sent off for leads and everyone's like, Yes. I mean, he's, he's not going to play the next, so he's not, he's not going to play the next game. He's not going to get injured. He's going to be able to go to the world cup. Right. Like, and I, and I'm hard pressed to say as a player, if I'm this close to being on a roster and um, you know that you're going into a 60, 40 tackle, that's 60% likely for the other person to get it and 40% likely for you. Do I make that tackle? Do I, do I, do I pull out? And by the way, if a teammate yells at you afterwards or a coach yells at you and you say, Hey, sorry, I, I didn't want to get hurt a game before the world cup in the moment, they're probably going to be mad at you for sure. But then when you step back and emotions calm down from that, like that challenge, that game, that, that interaction, and you go, would you have done it if you were me? Uh, yeah, okay. Maybe like, you know, you're this close to world cup and you don't want to get hurt. I don't blame you. So I think the timing of it being so close in the middle of the rest of the world schedule, as opposed to normally what's in the, in the summertime has made it um, very interesting. Um, but then also competitively, those players will be in mid season form and not necessarily tired at the end of the season, ready for an off season. Um, so I think it could, it could competitively make a better balance um, for some of the best players and best teams in the world. Cause the players aren't, you know, have a 50, 60 games under their, you know, under their legs for the season. Um, but I mean, look, there's, you can make a case for it being better. You can make a case for it being not better. However you want to view it, you're going to view it because there's pros and cons to it. Um, and then all the other stuff, look, I mean, we're not oblivious to what's going on. Tony makes a good point. I watched that FIFA documentary the day it came out, Ben binge watched it on Netflix, FIFA Uncovered, and it was eye-opening. Um, but, you know, look, I, I like to stick talking about soccer. Um, I have my my views on things, but honestly, I don't think anybody tuned in today to hear about my views <laughs> on stuff. So, you know, like Tony said, we'll worry about, you know, the soccer aspect of it. And and hopefully it's an enjoyable World Cup and hopefully the U.S. does well. And then, look, we get a ramp up to USA, Canada and Mexico hosting the next World Cup. Oh, if the U.S. can do well and capture and captivate some fans in this, it just continues to make this game go through the roof for the next four years. This could be the ultimate trampoline and springboard for soccer in this country if the USA does well in this World Cup leading into the 2026 World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I just pick up on the point Jamie says. I've been very, very curious to see how this is going to play out in terms of the performances of the teams. On the one hand, I like the fact that a lot of these players, European-based players particularly, have been obviously playing in, in their seasons, they should arrive. Those that haven't unfortunately got injured, for which you know I have great sympathy, uh, the ones who though who are fit, uh, 
I think they should arrive fitter and fresher, both physically and mentally, than they probably have done at previous World Cups. I can think back to 2018, and people have been disappointed with Lionel Messi's performance for Argentina. And when you look back at the, they have a long season, like Jamie said, 60 games, and their season ends either in crushing disappointment in a major final, which psychologically must be a lot to pick yourself up from, uh, or great joy, which in the same way can leave you a bit flat once once the energy runs out. So, um, but of course, on the other side of it, they've had a lot of the teams have had no camps, so they haven't had much chance to prepare. So, are we going to see? Fit, fitter and fresher players, but are we going to see more raggedy kind of games? Because, uh, you know, who wins this? Does the team that goes ultra pragmatic and says, right, we haven't had too much time to prepare, so we have just got to come up with a system that is going to pragmatically get us through this tournament and win it? Or is it the teams with just the great players who are going to win by virtue of the fact that they're just better players than the rest? So I think that for me, the dynamic's really interesting. I, I, do want to pig- I do want to piggyback off that, though, because, Jamie, I, you know, I don't need to know your opinions on how we should, like, decide the new supreme leader in the Middle East. Like, I'm, I'm with you on that. We don't that's not the <laughs> yeah. direction we need to go. But I, I do find it interesting for both of your personal perspectives about separating art from artists. We're, the Cleveland Browns have to do this when Deshaun Watson comes back. We do this with Michael Jackson when we listen to music like we all have to make these decisions as humans almost sadly, almost every day. And so I'm curious. I think Tony, you kind of already said this. Like we 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 want to acknowledge it, we want to see it all, we want to understand it all. But then when the games start, boom, we're we're done. How do you two personally separate? Again, this is not the first problem with FIFA. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not like this is new territory for them. Quite simply, it's the world's game, so it's for everybody. That's where it stops. Don't call it the world's game and want to partake in it if you're saying it's only for certain people, that's how I feel like then, then you're being, you're speaking out of both sides of your mouth. If you try to claim it as the world's game, but, but it's only allowed for certain people, you know, and certain ideologies and beliefs and preferences and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, look, like I'm not huge into, you know, outwardly speaking it, but if you ask like this, I'll tell you it's, it's for everybody. And I don't have any time for any, um, Anybody being left out because of how you choose to live the other 22 and a half hours of your life other than those 90 minutes. Um, You know, so I, I, you know, I've got stronger beliefs on that. But again, you know, I don't want anybody tuning out right now because they (laughs) this isn't nobody cares about my my beliefs. Right. So I I just sort of I stick to talking about what's on the field. Um, But it's for everybody. Uh, Steve, I love that you brought up that point about the U.S. Media Center. I love that move. And um, I think that hopefully, um, you know, Qatar wants to, they've out, outspokenly said they want this World Cup and hosting it and showing how warm and welcome we can be. Um, outwardly, I hope introspectively, they also look and, and take on some, they want other people to have other ideas about them as a country and their beliefs and, and their culture and their way of life. I also hope introspectively, they look at their beliefs and they have a think about, are we aligned with where the world is today and and how it's viewed. So, you know, I think that this could be hopefully mutually beneficial when it's all said and done. I think when we look back in, in years to come, you know, the, uh, the fact that the tournament was in Qatar, I think it'll still be a head scratcher for generations to come. They'll look back at it and say, how? I mean, how, how did this happen? 
But, you know, that is something that is being pulled over by journalists right now and has been really, I mean, I can still remember the day that, that it was pulled out of the envelope. And of course, England were in their bidding, like the US were in that kind of co-joined 2018-2022 decision. And, you know, look, the, the, the seed was sown that day when, when the envelopes were opened, that this was something that was going to come back on FIFA and it certainly has. And so the FIFA of today is now dealing with the FIFA of yesterday's um, challenges and problems. The one thing I just would throw in there as well, though, is I, I worked in Qatar three years ago, I went to the World uh, Athletics Championships uh, and worked at the Al Khalifa Stadium. And, you know, as you find in most places that you go around the world when, when you travel, um, the people on the ground are very welcoming and friendly um, group of people, no problems whatsoever. Uh, I found it a very easy, comfortable working environment. Um, the heat was extreme, but the stadiums are incredible. Uh, the stadium we were working in was air conditioned, and just you wouldn't believe how you walk from 110 degree searing heat into this venue, and suddenly it's like you can't believe it. it you know, the technology is remarkable. Um, so, you know, there, there's that aspect of it as, as well, you know, to just think of the everyday person and, and hopefully the the progress and the joy they'll get from hosting the World Cup as well. And, and I'm sure that, you know, staging this event now uh, in this moment, you know, is part of a path that we hope goes in only, you know, one positive direction. And, and to suggest, uh, to Jamie's point, that the, that England or the United States are within sin in uh, the the evolution of the world would be quite naive, I believe. So. Yeah. Tony, I want to get to, I, I want to get to the really important stuff here. Uh so uh, uh, let's talk about let's talk a little bit about history. Um the in the 66 World Cup, uh Kenneth Wolstenholme's uh call uh is like one of the most iconic uh calls ever. Uh it, it is uh, it, it's the it's the line you know Jeff Hurst scores and there's fans streaming onto the pitch and he's like they think it's all over it is now, uh kind of thing. Uh, they actually made like a they actually made like a game show out of that line, didn't they? Uh, yes, that a BBC yes, they show? think it's BBC all over. Show? Yeah, yeah, they think it's all over. Is a, is a show uh, in the UK? It's been on a long time. Uh, yeah, just an incredible moment, and you know anybody. Um, Anybody in England is still brought up on that line because we haven't won it since. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, just a w wonderful. Um, it fits in as well. To um, it's funny. I was thinking about last time I, I was on the show with you both, and we talked about commentary and we talked about preparation versus spontaneity. And you know, and I said I, I tend to be one of the more that I, I tend to not be like to be too prepared. I don't want to kind of when the moment comes just read something i've thought you know i might have something in my mind but i don't want to kind of just pick up a piece of paper and say right this is what i'm going to say if England win the world cup and that moment was just spontaneous you know as as uh, as he went through and, and her scores and you know it, it couldn't have been scripted because he could not have known that it would happen in that scenario and uh yeah you know a one a wonderful moment um contrasted as well actually there's, a, there's an article in the english newspapers today barry davis is one of our great commentators who followed in the in the steps of of walston home uh and uh, i was reading today that actually he has a holiday home down in st petersburg and he, he's down there in florida to watch the world cup and um and he gives his views very much a lot of views on kind of modern day soccer commentary and Barry was very much a reactive to the events kind of commentator, an iconic British commentator, you know, in the kind of Jim Nance kind of field in terms of he did more than just one sport. Um, and Barry did the 1996 European Championship semi-final when England lost oh, to Germany. Yeah. 
Gareth Southgate misses the penalty. And I actually think it's one of the great lines in commentary I grew up with, which Southgate steps up, penalty saved. Barry Davis says to 30 million English people watching, oh, no, that's it. <laughs> because that's what everybody was thinking was, oh, no, he's missed. And we're about to lose another tournament on a penalty shooter. And he was talking about it in this article today. You know, it's just he kind of and then he just let it breathe. Um, you know, and, and just let the emotion take over. And uh, that's something I know, you know, we worked on a lot with our Nashville broadcast here, actually. Once we moved into Jonas Park, the atmosphere was so amazing. Uh, our producer, Shaw, would often just say to me, just, you know, just shut up for a minute, you know. And when a goal would go in, you don't need to say anything too much, you know, um, because the atmosphere would take over. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, let's hope we hear some more iconic um, calls in the next few weeks. I- I'm going to be in the US for the start of the tournament and the UK for the end of it. So it's going to be good to watch Fox's coverage uh, to start with, and uh, and then be back uh, back over in the UK to see to see the finale on uh, the BBC and ITV. Well, how do you feel? How do you feel about sort of like that kind of emotional call? I mean, I know you like the the '96 call, but like people, some people kind of retrospectively kind of got on uh, Ian Dark for for example for the the 2010 uh, US call, which I think is just is just brilliant. Uh, uh, you know, Donovan scores off of a, uh, off of a long counter. Uh, and, uh, he seems to say, go, go USA at the, at the end of it. Is that verboten? Should he not have done it? Or is that just <laughs> like a, is that just like a great kind of like piece of, of in the moment magic? Yeah, I think it's an in the moment magic. Um, and you, you won't hear me say too much again or anything against Ian Dart because I grew up listening to Ian's boxing commentary actually on BBC radio uh, back in an era where you know some of the biggest fights uh, were not shown live on television in the UK and Ian was the voice of my childhood listening to huge boxing matches and I would actually argue he's the best boxing commentator I've ever heard and it's a loss to boxing that he doesn't do it anymore um, but you know he's become a full-time uh, soccer man in, you know the, in the last 15 20 years or so I suppose but um, but Ian, you know, I'm so glad he'll be on the World Cup over here, you know, because he's going to be on the Fox get, broadcast. He is, and you know, and that's great because he, he brings so much experience and gravitas, wonderful tone of voice. I just love the tone of his voice. Um, and you know, he has what every commentator always searches for the ability with the tone of his voice and with the words to absolutely capture the moment. And I think sometimes inject a little bit of drama additional drama into the proceedings uh, and that for me is you know why he, he stands as, as really my, my favorite commentator lamestream sports is a podcast about national sports media and business it is hosted by steve cavendish of the nashville banner sign up for good journalism nashvillebanner.com and it is brought to you by jaspers always brought to you by jaspers so we're going to find out who listens to the ads because we're not going to, I mean, Jasper's is great. We've told you about Jasper's literally hundreds of times. And so I want you to tell people who's going to win the World Cup, how good the United States is going to be, and what expectations should be for the United States in the World Cup in the middle of this ad to make sure people are listening to the ad copy. So, Steve, who wins the World Cup, Brazil or Argentina? <laughs> I think it, I think picking against Brazil is almost foolhardy. This team is so stacked. I mean, 
they're leaving off players that are starting at premiership teams and, and are just I, I, it's not fair. Just, it's not fair. It's not fair. The level of talent that they have, um, you know, I, I'm a Newcastle guy. Our best player is a uh, uh, is is a Brazilian midfielder. I was ecstatic to see him make the team. He might not see the field, uh, <laughs> and he's arguably he's been arguably the one of the best central midfielders in the Premier League here the first half of the season. I, I, they're they're just so stacked. You can't pick against them. However. I think there are I think there are two or three teams that you could look at as as oh wow they could do something. Um, I, I didn't I don't know that their form is necessarily the right form going into the tournament, but this Netherlands team is super talented yeah. and I I really I really like them. Uh, the Spain team is has a bunch of young kids uh you know uh, that that are that are really good i don't know that they have they they have sort of the same problem that the us has is that they don't have like the like the the one striker up top who you who's going to guarantee them goals which i think might be their problem is the problem that, that was a problem in the euros but man they got a lot of talent they got a lot of talent and i like i like luis enrique as a coach uh, but i'm a barcelona guy um and i i think France is not going to win. France, France might not. Injuries you might have a France situation where, you know, France screws around and doesn't get out of the group. I mean, they're missing, they're missing big players out of the middle. The injuries, uh, they're right? missing yeah. Pogba and and uh, N'Golo Kante, and that's really hard to get over. Um, you know, and they, France has done this before, where they they spit the bit. You know, after yeah. being champions. Uh, go to Jasper's, by the way. Go to Jasper's. Um, but, 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 you know, I, I think, and, and England could win this world cup. They will not, <laughs> but they could, I mean, they, yeah. they have enough, ta- the, the, the baseline is, do you have enough talent? And, and Tony says something, uh, t- Tony said something in the interview, which I, uh, and since we're inserting this ad, I can't remember. We don't, if it's before, we, we don't be- know where it is before or after this, <laughs> but, but. But but just about kind of like talent and and will they gel and and that sort of thing. One of the things about the World Cup is has always been because it comes at the end of a long season, the the World Cup has tended to favor young teams that have legs, you know, young legs that can go for days. And on paper, that would seem to favor the U.S. But because this is midseason as opposed to the end of a season, uh, you may see some older teams doing better. So how about uh, how about Belgium in that conversation, right? Well, that's the only thing that that gives Belgium hope, uh, I think. Uh, they got, they I got think a lot of talented dudes that have all been around a long time. They've been around a long time. The golden and, and generation. I, and I don't think in a World Cup you can bet on a on a team yeah. that's long in the tooth. But man, I like this team. I like I like their coach Roberto Martinez. Yeah. You know, Thierry Henry is an assistant on that uh, on that team. They have a lot of people that are really fun to watch, but you know they have they have issues. They they've they've yeah. they've got they've got issues, and you know they still this is like going to be their third major tournament where they still you, they still don't have what you would call kind of like the the world class shutdown uh, center back. And if they had had that in in either of the previous two tournaments, they might have won a World Cup or Euros yeah. already. Yeah. So. Uh, Croatia probably in the aging group as well, but always fun to watch Modric. Um, here's a question for you. You didn't mention Germany. No. Not buying Germany. Okay. 
Not Bayern Germany. Okay. Uh, th- th- this is this is a tweener team for Germany. Um, they're they're between sort of generations. Yeah. Uh, you know, we saw the we saw the tail end of the the, the last one, but yeah. All right, U.S. Happen. USA expectations. Get out of the group stage, win one match, and it's all house money. If is it is it just get out of the group stage? What is it that you, as a man wearing a USA national kit currently, as they say, what? Uh, what is the, the the benchmark for you? I'm not going to make Jamie or Tony answer this question, but I'm going to make you answer this question. How do you define success? Give me an actual outcome for the World Cup that is that you would call the line where in, in which they cross it, you will call it a success. Get out of the group. That's it. Uh, that that's it. This team's this team's yeah. young. I, I don't know that they have an identity. They don't they don't have scoring. Uh, you know they're going to have to they're going to have to manufacture goals. Uh, either off the wings or out of the midfield. And, and that's tough. And when you, when you don't have that kind of dedicated, you know, striker that is, that is just absolutely going to bang in three or four goals for you. You know, I I would love to see somebody, I would love like Haji, right. To step up and be that person that he was at the youth, at the youth level. But you, you, you could know. tell the entire qualifying they were trying to figure out the top of the formation the entire time, and then they couldn't could couldn't not fit do it, it. Couldn't finish on so many different occasions where they had so many opportunities to score and just couldn't finish because they didn't have that. You saw flashes from like each one of them, right? Like there was a game where Pepe would be great, and then there'd be another game, and you'd never have the consistency. So, um, you know who doesn't have to manufacture identity? Jaspers. Jaspers doesn't have to do that. They just no. They are authentically pure to their core. Just. The next evolution of the sports bar and everything that they do at Jasper's, so they don't have to. Do I, have that. High, I have high expectations for Jasper's, and they exceed them every time. Every time, every time, every time. So people should go to Jasper's. Jamie, I want to. My wife, God bless her, huge heart. Uh, she has to have one to stay married to me, of course, but. <laughs> Um, she cannot watch like college kickers in football. Like she just can't watch college kickers line up to try to take kicks to try to win games. She just is like, Oh my, she's like stressed out and the anxiety. And she's like, I'm I'm like, you're not even, what are you doing? You're just sitting in the living room with a, with a glass of wine. And she's like, no, but I can't watch this, this 18 year old kid try to make this field goal for an entire fan base. And then we put on the, and then we put on a, a world cup match and then we watch it end up in knockout stage, go to PKs. And then I say to her, yeah, but watch this. <laughs> watch this guy with the entire world and the weight of a country on your shoulders. Can you even try to explain what the like what your stomach would feel like, what the emotion as a player would be like to have to step to the dot in a knockout match and try to execute something you've been doing for 30 years? Like what is going through those guys' heads when they do that? You're fully aware of the moment and I think what separates great players from exceptional and world-class talent are the six inches between your ears. So it's a, it's the same game you've been playing for 30 years that you mentioned, right? It's the same dynamic, 12 yards away, you against a goalkeeper, and nothing about that is different. You've done this in practice and in games thousands of times, but it's that dynamic of and, and the gravitas of the situation and understanding where you are, what's happening, what the implications are. And I think that's what separates players. Can you compartmentalize that for just a few moments 
to be able to walk up and execute in that moment. And you're fully well aware. I, I used to take penalty kicks. So I've been in every situation of a, of a penalty kick throughout my 12 years playing and collegiately and high school and all that stuff, like every, everywhere in my career. So I've done that in those pressure filled situations. Um, it's the world cup. There's nothing like it. You'll see grown adults, professionals that have lifted champions league trophies that will be on the, on the field, hearing their national anthem, the world cup crying. Like this is everything you dreamed about as a kid and it's happening. And then everything that you dream about in a world cup knockout moment like that rests on your shoulders. Um, can you mentally put that to the side to execute is what separates the players that can do the job and make them world-class versus the players that crumble under the pressure. Um, and it's, it's crazy because these mistakes are amplified to the biggest degree to where we started this show nearly 30 years ago, Roberto Baggio missed a penalty <laughs> kick and we're still talking about it. Yeah. It's vernacular in the soccer world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything, I don't, Name me one other thing that Baggio did in his career. Oh, Couldn't yeah. Couldn't tell you. You know what I mean? He was a great player, but all I know is one thing about him, right? And so, um, yeah, look, it, it's there's no way to quantify it because it's also a dynamic that very few people in this world will understand. But um, that's the difference. The higher level you get, the mistakes that you make are more likely than not punished. And then the other team makes less mistakes so there's less room for air and at the world cup like this is the best players in the world playing in this so mistakes uh, are at a premium and going up trying to trying to surmise the pressure that you would be feeling in that moment is nearly impossible because it's it may be your legacy as a I, soccer player in I, that I, moment I asked this of, of all of you guys, like it, the only things that I can think of that are comparable are sort of individual events. Like if you're an all around gymnast at the Olympics and you're going for gold, like that's incredible pressure individually. If you're trying to make a putt at the U S open or the British open or the masters, it's an individual, but these are all in uh, tennis, you know, like Wimbledon or whatever. Like these are individual moments for individuals. Is there anything close in team sports that, that is that, that centers the entire world on one person like that? Can you guys even come up with something comparable? I wouldn't say so um, in terms of because it, it, those those moments, you know, yeah, the putt to win the Open Championship, um, whether it be yeah on on, on the mat at the at the Olympics, um, those are moments where yeah, of course you've got the groundswell of people behind you and willing you on and hoping you do well. Um, with a soccer World Cup penalty shootout, you are carrying not just the the nation's hopes that they that you're going to score. They're kind of willing you on to score and they ne almost need you to score. You know, you have to score because it matters that much. I don't think there's any other event where such a concentration of people is standing behind that penalty taker. And actually their human emotion is way more than just, oh, I hope you score. It'd be nice if you score. Yeah. 
you've got to score because our lives right now depend on you know this moment because this is going to determine you know whether we are celebrating the next few minutes and are going to in, enjoy the most incredible uh, moment of excitement and joy as our team wins on the world stage you know so i'd argue there isn't anything bigger than than that and so i i have huge sympathy for anybody who's ever in that situation yeah find find the most pressure built thing that you do in your life Understand that you have one opportunity to do it. And then the next opportunity may never present itself because of your age, because of everything that goes on over the next four years. But the, the first chance that you have to do it again is in four years and then have, um, I don't know, close to a billion people watching you do it. <laughs> no big deal. You know what I mean? No big no deal, big right? Deal. No big deal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, the Olympics are probably the closest thing just because the the timing of every four years of it happening yeah. and then all the things that have to happen, all the stars that have to align for you to be in that moment again, to be able to replicate it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Th there's something just because of the, 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 the nature of it. And, and the, I think the Olympics, you know, probably are the closest thing, but it, it's, there's a, there's a distance in those power rankings of one and two. It's not, <laughs> it's not very close. I would say, though, that if you're standing over, what, about a 35-year-old field goal um, yeah. in the Tennessee-Alabama game, and <laughs> it's, to win the, it's to win the game in mid-October like it was, I'll tell you what, I got back here. We just lost the LA Galaxy game, sadly, in the playoffs, and I watched that field goal, and I thought the pressure on that young man's shoulders is pretty immense, actually, right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, not paying for a drink in Knoxville ever again, yeah. you know? Yeah. Never. Ever. It's probably a bar named after him by now, you know. And he and and like it it was so ugly, and he does the like I didn't mean to do that. Like he does the whole hand <laughs> thing, and he, <laughs> wasn't that the beauty of it? I, oh. And I think actually Brad Nestor said something about that, wasn't it? It was kind of an ugly kick, but a beautiful moment or something <laughs> along those lines. And it actually was great moments. So. And by the way, there's also pressure too now be on this side of it too. Um, there'd be pressure, Tony, if you're in that moment, do you say the right thing? You know, and and as a commentator, like you think of these moments, we were talking about it. You, you know, see, if you're talking about from 66, a call, you know what I mean? That's even longer than Baggio's penalty in 94, right? Like there's these iconic moments. Like I can still hear Ian Dark saying, go, go USA. Is it the, is it what he thought he was going to say? Is he even happy that he said it? You know, it doesn't matter because it, it sticks in these moments. And so the broadcasting side of it too, there's, there's an equal level of pressure, you know, to it, to make sure that you, you don't screw up the big moment. We, we try not to screw up the big moments for, uh, Nashville on match day seven, you know, of, of you know, a midweek game on a Wednesday, you know, like we feel that pressure. I can't imagine the elevation of that and the eyes and ears that are on that too. So it's, it's, there's pressure for everybody, you know, in that moment that you, you got to nail and get right. And that's what separates the great so from the world-class. It's only eternity. So let's, talk, no big deal. let's talk about the group <laughs> a little bit. Uh, England, US, Wales, Iran. How do you see kind of the group going, uh, and and how do you think how do you think England's going to do? Because quite frankly, they've looked terrible for the past few months. I know they I, I, that team is loaded. Uh, uh, look, I'm I'm a 25 year Newcastle fan. I follow these guys. Bless your heart. No, I know. <laughs> uh, the talk about the, separating the art from the artist. Yeah, really. <laughs> that, that's called yeah. cognitive dissonance. Um, <laughs> But but the how do you think how do you think they're going to do they 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 should be this overwhelming favorite uh, how do you think the U S are, are these U S kids 
going to going to perform in this in, in this kind of situation. Wales has this you know incredible story and the whole countries behind them and blah 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 whatever. Uh, and um, <laughs> and, but but and Iran Iran is the Asian champ. I mean, and they you know they're kind of an unknown. What do you, how do you see this kind of playing out? Tony, you you're the to lead. Go it, ahead. Yeah, yeah, Tony, you're the lead. Go ahead. Come on. <laughs> I'll pick up the pieces, whatever you 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 miss. I'll pick them up. <laughs> yeah, well, Steve, you got in there very, very uh, quickly that England have been uh, pretty poor of late, and I can't disagree with you. So I think we're six without a win, actually, go, going in this tour. Our Nations League form, you know, was was awful. We, we were relegated from that, if, if that actually means anything. I'm not sure it does. But, um, but I, I said earlier, I, I think our group is pretty good. I think it's pretty strong. I think it has... You know, it has world-class players in certain positions. You know, look, if you have Harry Kane on the field, you are always going to have a chance. Um, I'm particularly looking forward to seeing Jude Bellingham. I watched him just in, in one of the last games I did in the UK back in 2020. I saw Jude Bellingham play for Birmingham at Charlton. And I, in the flesh, I was like, wow, this guy, what a good player. And, and he's continued to prosper since moving to Germany. Um, look, we've got talent and depth um we are ultra pragmatic at times under southgate which is a criticism um you know we went one up against uh, italy in the euro final and i remember i texted jamie at the time and said right so we're now playing 80 84 minutes or whatever we're basically for a one nil because you knew what we were going to do and um and you knew what would happen if we did that uh i think you know i feel like we will win the group we should win the group i've seen us though make a real mess of groups before um, I can think back to us losing our first game in 1986 to Portugal when we were supposed to, to prosper and we got better as the tournament went on. Uh, we didn't start all that well in 1990. Um, but this is a team actually that's tournament-wise now is wiser. Our coach has been through two big tournaments with us uh, in Gareth Southgate. Um, I would also say I'm 25% Welsh, so do not underestimate. <laughs> do not underestimate what this tournament represents for Wales. Okay, there is something quite magical about the Welsh nation and and what this means to be going to a World Cup. Gareth Bale will be absolutely a different Gareth Bale to what we generally saw in the last few months in MLS. But he showed you in one instance in the MLS Cup final what Gareth Bale is all about. And it's about he delivering on the, it on the biggest the, stage. Uh, doesn't he? I mean, he puts on the, 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 the bit, get the big S on the chest and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, 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 and the Welsh are, you know, a workmanlike and hugely driven group. And that's not to say any of the others aren't, um, but you just cannot underestimate what this means for Wales to be at a world cup after 64 years. So, so I think, you know, they are going to be absolutely in their fighting um, the Iranians are coming into it in good form, but with a backdrop of challenges both at home and indeed in potentially their squad selection as well. Uh, and then that brings us, to, you know, to the US. And I will defer to Jamie on, on how he feels about that group. All I would say that the one thing that concerns me with the US is I just don't know where the goals are coming from. Um, you, it's going into the tournament without what I would say a real top-class international striker up front. Maybe someone's going to surprise us, but we're looking at Josh Sargent. Maybe, you know, he's scoring goals for Norwich in the championship in England. It's the championship uh, with all due respect to it. Um, Pepe has not gone. Um, Jesus Ferreira did not score a lot of goals towards the end of the season and, and 
spurned a few chances in his uh, opportunities when he has played. So you're looking massively at the likes of Pulisic, Aronson, uh, McKenney, the experience of those kind of players and the talent of those players, I think, to, to get the Americans across the line. I like what Tony's done, by the way, because he's just really spread himself out. So however this group plays out, you know, he can say, well, I'm English. If the English win, um, <laughs> why well, work and live in the United States? So, you know, if the U.S. win, hey, we won. And then I'm 25% Welsh. So, you know, if they win, <laughs> hey, we won. Tony didn't tell you that, you know, 47% of statistics are made up on the spot. And so, Tony, having said that, I'd like to tell you I'm 3% Iranian as well. So if they progress, you know, there's, you know, I, I got to shout there too. Been to Wales and to England. So, you know, either way, guaranteed to win the group. Here. My, my, um, aunt, my aunt is married to a, a Japanese fellow for the last 45 years. My cousins are half Japanese and I love the way they play. So, like, I get credit if Japanese if japan advances so hey, right, right. I, I hope you guys do well you and you and you know <laughs> japan you're wearing the blue today to support um yeah. no tony makes a, a lot of good points as as he does right um look i think that um his his assessment of england is is very good i think that um uh, tournament time is different I, I i do think that there's an element of it's not a light switch that flips on but but everything sort of before is is in the past now it's the world cup and it's it's a tournament time. You navigate tournaments differently than you do uh, friendlies and qualification as well. Um, because for the U.S., there were times in which they were more than content to go down to Honduras and get a point. Uh, you wouldn't be content against playing against a, a lesser opponent, you know, going against the rankings, right? Uh, if that's how you want to deem who's lesser and weaker. Um but then you would, uh, okay, I don't want Honduras to catch you stray there. Um, but you look at this, you you think that when you get to a tournament, there's different points because um, you may only need a point at a certain point to progress in the in the group stage that wins you the group, right? That may be a good result, or you may have to get all three points. So dynamics change, injuries, where things sit, what your opponent needs as well, changes things. And I think England navigating themselves um, to second place at the European Championships. Congrats, Tony. Second place, amazing. You know, that's that's great. Um, first runner up, you know, it's amazing. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> but we gave the game to the world, but you know, we don't always want to take the glory, do we? Take it? <laughs> I think Tony texts, it's coming home, but there was a question mark after after that 84 minutes of, uh, of waiting. Um, uh, he's right about the US, though. Look, that it that's going to be the biggest question. Um, and where's the goals going to come from? I think it's going to be spread out. There isn't one person. There isn't a Harry Kane to draw back to what he said for England that you expect and acknowledge can score a goal at a moment's notice. I'm not sure there's a player on the U.S. that you say this player in this moment can take a game over. Uh, I think that there are individuals that can collectively take over spurts of games and you're going to need that. Um, so it's going to be a more diversified attack instead of all of the eggs kind of in this basket. I'm not saying that's better. I'm not saying that's worse, but I'm saying that's sort of what the reality is of this group. And when you look at it, like this group has all four teams in the top 20 FIFA rankings. Um, so it's a difficult group and um, each game will present its different challenges. Um, and I think that we're going to find out which player sort of propels himself in this group. And I do think that depending on the first game goes for the U.S., the mentality of the group can either go up or can go down. The number nine position, whoever does well, could grab that jersey and say, I'm going to have this for the rest of the tournament because I've scored early in the tournament. Maybe I've got an assist in another game. Now I'm really getting on the score sheet and I'm really creating goals. 
Um, but I still think this group, um, I don't know if they know who their full identity is yet, but in this tournament setting, and because it is such a young group, I think the group is malleable and can sort of can port themselves into who we are in this tournament and who we're going to be in this tournament based off of the first results of the first match. And then the England match will certainly really give us some clarity heading into that last match of what we need to advance um, and to progress on in the tournament. So um, the narrative is going to be constantly shifting for the U.S., and I think for England, it's probably a little bit more set in stone of what this narrative will be. You can already tell who the hero and villains are most likely going to be for that group. Um, for the U.S., you don't know. I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. I'm just saying it's a different dynamic than what we're probably used to in the past from this group. U.S.-England match. Harry Maguire's on the field. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, look, I, I, <laughs> I fall on the side of experience. I know he's had a nightmare, personal, form-wise. Uh, he's had a difficult couple of years, uh, and I don't know how much events on a summer trip to, I think it was Greece, have, have affected him since then, uh, where he had a, uh, a slight run-in with the law. Um, but, look, Gareth Southgate has total faith in him. He will play, um, and he will be that anchor. And I think back to how important a role he's been in the previous two tournaments for England um and I'm I'm happy with Maguire on the field um and I'm happy with England's kind of system you know it's probably going to be three at the back uh so no I'm good I'm good with Maguire you know Harry at the back Harry at the front um and then some some good talent in and around them um you know we're not in a bad place I just said on the American team I spent most, I, you know, this is the first time I'd really watched the full CONCACAF qualifying. Um, and all the way through it, I think I was being more positive times than you were, Jamie, because I was saying, like, no, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Um, and I just felt like the American group looks to me at times like it's in this kind of straitjacket. They look, I don't know whether there's too much going into their head, the instructions, and they're just not able to express themselves as freely with just the, the message is a little bit confusing to them. I feel like that we're constantly watching a team that is one really good performance away from kind of breaking out a bit. So if they can get a good start and get a good result, I think they can do okay at this world cup and actually, you know, make people look at them and say, you know, there's some talent here. The question is, can they break out of that mold that I feel they're a bit kind of stuck in? Um, and I was talking to Jamie earlier, and you know, those two horrendous friendlies, and I mean that in terms of just watching them and the environment they were played in uh, against Saudi Arabia and Japan back in October. I feel like in three weeks' time, we're going to look back at those games and we're either going to say, well, the writing was on the wall for this US group when we saw how they performed, yeah. or we're going to say, just shows how much you can take out of friendlies. Not, not a lot sometimes. I really hope it's, it's the latter. Yeah, too too much thinking in the final eighteen, uh, for sure. There's no question about that. Now, I will say to your point about watching the qualifying, I thought they showed a lot for a younger team that's sort of learning how to play together. I thought they showed a lot of of maturity in the second halves of a lot of those matches where they would come back and they would take the challenge and then they would rise to the challenge. So, I guess ultimately, my question is, and I don't want you to tell me like this round and this match is where they have to get to to be a success. Like, I don't. That's that's not necessarily what I'm looking for, but. Is it okay for U.S. fans to look through everything that is going to happen over the next month and a half? Is it okay for us to look through the lens of 2026 
and and analyze everything that we see through the lens of 2026 and say, look, we've got a, a really talented young team that doesn't have a fully formed identity yet. They're not they haven't figured out exactly who their goal scorer is going to be. But we want to see we need to see them grow and experience this so that when they come home in four years, we have something very real to to, to go to battle with. Is that is that OK for fans to, to do? Yes, I think that that the the in-depth hardcore fan will understand this is the the World Cup before the World Cup. This group will be very, very familiar and very similar to the group you'll see in 2026. And some players will emerge and come in, you know, to the picture that that we don't know about now or or never would have thought of for this World Cup cycle. But make no mistake about it. Like this is a World Cup. Um, this isn't, uh, we, we, we need to get better, you know, for the next world cup. No, no, it, this is about results. Um, but when you look at a step back, we need to see progress from this group. We need this group to, um, experience adversity, overcome adversity, triumph in the face of adversity. Um, whether that's navigating the group stage and getting out, they do need to get out of this group. Um, Without question, this is a group that you need to get out. And they were, uh, of all the groups, this was a friendlier group to get um, for the U.S. And there's no easy group in the World Cup. Like, it's the World Cup for a reason. But um, they need to get out of this group. There needs to be growth and belief amongst this group in a big tournament. Um, They need to find a measured level of success. Once you get past the the group stage, it becomes knockout. Really, it's it's a one-off, and we've seen anything happen in games where David slays Goliath, right? That, that happens in any sport at any time. Um, but yeah, ultimately, the, the big pinnacle, the big North Star right now is the 2026 World Cup, but that's four years away. You've got to worry about the here and now, and I will quantify a success probably differently than a lot will because I do have that in mind for four years from now. But again, you've got to perform well in this tournament and you've got to get out of the group if you're the U.S. And then I think anything on top of that, you can take um, individual small victories amongst that. Uh, But if you don't get out of the group, it's not a successful tournament for the U.S. Well, you guys have been extremely grateful or or gracious with your time. We do appreciate it. Uh, Steve has one more and is going to make you sit around for a few more minutes and talk some more. But uh, we do we do appreciate it. I saved the most important thing for last. Oh, yeah. So. One thing I think the U.S. is missing that England has that England has nailed over the years is the idea of a World Cup song. I knew you were going to say that. I knew. (laughs) And so. (laughs) <laughs> Tony, I need to know something here, which is the most iconic of these songs, of course, is from 1990, New World, New Order's World in Motion. Okay, yeah. John Barnes' rap yes. in the middle of that song. Is this a source, is this an iconic moment, or is this a source of national embarrassment? What do you think? Oh, it's, it's an iconic moment. It's an iconic moment. And I like the way that you picked out World in Motion 1990 um for that and uh you know that that was an awesome awesome tune that uh yeah oh you're throwing me back now that's wonderful because i thought you would go with three lines you know the bedil skinner you know yeah, yeah. football's coming home because we've kind of that's become 
you know, everybody still sings it, but it's become the almost, uh, you know, a little bit of a burden on our shoulders now because, it, you know, everybody's, it, it's, oh, is it coming home this time, you know? Um, so, no, I, I like that you throw World uh, New Order, World Emotion in there from 1990 because that was wonderful. And John Barnes, hey, what a player. What a player. better player than he was rapper, to be fair. Be- much better player than he was a rapper. <laughs> he scored one of the greatest goals ever, by the way. Did you ever see the goal he scored against Brazil? Uh, oh, my gosh. 90, Look it up on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. 19, 1984, John Barnes runs right through Brazil and round the keeper and scores uh, one of the greatest goals you, you'll ever see. I mean, everybody eulogizes Maradona's goal two years later against us, which was better. But this was a great goal. I'm trying Boy. to look up the lyrics now here um, for John <laughs> Barnes. Here we go. I'm not going to wrap it. You've got to. Oh, you got to wrap it. Yeah, you've you've got to wrap it. it. Up, guys. Uh, hey, look. Look, peer pressure works in a lot of different scenarios. It's not going to work today. <laughs> uh, you've got to hold and give, but do it at the right time. You can be slow or fast, but you I must see, get. I see to the Tony line. kind of nodding along. He's got. Yeah. He's got the. He's got. I've the, almost got the next line with every one. <laughs> Tony, going, you want to take it from here? All right. <laughs> no, It'll no, always I'm hit gonna... you and hurt you. Defend and attack. There's only one way to beat them. Get round the back. The back. <laughs> I said yeah. we I, hate I, the I said, hooligans who say football soft. Is you will, catch me if you can, because I'm the oh. England man. Oh, and right. what you're looking at is the master plan. We ain't no hooligans. This ain't a football song. Tony, take us home. Three lines on my uh, chest. I know we can't go wrong. Oh, and that, and <laughs> that was... I was just ready to pick slam up poetry. the world little did you know I was going to take that turn today. <laughs> very clear that uh, that uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop had not hit, hit the world yet. Very, very clear. Uh, certainly not had not hit England. <laughs> I tell you what, if the U.S. win the World Cup, first one to drop an album is uh, Kristen, uh, Christian Pulisic, and he's going to have the uh, the iconic man in the mirror, you know, shirt when everybody jumped on his back and qualifying as the album cover for that. So uh, uh, him and Clint, featuring Clint Dempsey, I feel like. Um, that will be uh, – and I'll, if the U.S. win the World Cup, fellas, I'll come on here and I'll wrap every lyric for you. Right. Full, okay. A full go. There we go. That's I'm what I'm willing to give up, my dignity. You asked the first question, what am I willing to give up for the U.S. to World Cup? My dignity, rapping uh, <laughs> Christian Pulisic's World Cup song like John Barnes did. There we go. <laughs> and and that is how an interview comes full circle, and we know, and we know when to end it. Uh, Tony, Jamie, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. Uh, obviously, so much of us, all of us are, are just, you know, incredibly excited for what's coming. And uh, best of luck to England and and Wales, of course, to to, to your fellow countrymen. And, uh, <laughs> we, we do appreciate Great callback. it. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. Thanks. Thank Thanks you a lot. That was Jamie Watson and Tony Husband. And I'm not really sure what I have to add to that. Uh Steve. <laughs> that, uh, that, was, that was about as fun a conversation as I've ever had on this show. I'll just say that 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 New Order song is a banger of a song. World in Motion. Uh, it was uh, I, I bought it as a CD single when I was oh, in college. God, you're so old. Uh, it was uh, it is it is awesome. <laughs> it's so much fun. The only one that I can think of, uh, like from an American sports standpoint, is the Cubs song when they won the World Series that got played. Like that one was catchy. I really enjoyed that one. But I don't we don't do that really. Like you had the Super Bowl shuffle with the Bears like. American sports doesn't do that with the song. No, they don't. Um, the, the Super Bowl shuffle, I think, killed it for everyone else because <laughs> it was it was a huge hit. There was a huge team. They won a championship. Now, if anybody else 
does a song it's like it's like oh you're trying to be the bears dude the cubs song was awesome like it was catchy the jingle was that the, was it, was that the eddie vetter song or i don't know i don't think no it's, it's, it was very hooky when everybody's singing it together it was really good so it wasn't uh, the go cubs co yeah 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 I think that's oh, right. oh the go cubs go thing from the 70s I, yeah. maybe that's yeah, i don't know the history of yeah, it but i um, hate that song <laughs> <laughs> i was walking around like singing it like what was that 2016 uh, I, hate I think that song. i think i was walking uh, around people used it. to sing that all the time in chicago yeah, and it's just it's just such a maybe i don't know it just you, it's a that's an awful song if you are looking or trying to find steve cavendish's world cup predictions Sorry, man. Got to dig deeper. It's in the pod somewhere. You got to go find it. <laughs> you got to go find it. Don't he'll skip you, the ads, people. He'll tell you exactly what expectations are for the United States team, how to define success, and who's and who are the best teams in the world that can win the World Cup. But I, I'm not going to tell you what he said. You got to go find it yourself. Um, all, all right. Uh, you got a recommendation for the good folks? Because I do have one question for you um, that's going to lead you into your recommendation, which is how... <laughs> How hard should we root for the United States to do very, very well and for Walker Zimmerman to be average? <laughs> because um, if Walker Zimmerman is excellent and elite and wonderful on a World Cup stage and the United States gets out of the group and they advance and we define it as successful, I imagine Walker Zimmerman is not playing in a Nashville SC kit much longer, right? It's certainly a scenario. The problem is Walker's 29. If If, okay. if this were... If this were four years ago, I'd say absolutely yes that that Walker will be playing in Europe after after the World Cup. Um, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I I hope it happens for him. I, I would. There's nothing I would love more. I I, I respect that guy a lot. Um, and having and, a dominant backline in the World Cup wouldn't be a bad thing for us. No, it wouldn't. You know, the problem is is that I think the, I think the best line was him and Miles Robinson, and when Robinson yeah, went down I with know. the Achilles. Uh, and so they've been trying to figure, they've been trying to figure it out. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that they have it all sorted out, but we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out here real soon. <laughs> so give, um, give the good folks some recommendations, uh, here as we send them off into the my, my recommendation is, is actually about Walker. So in, in, uh, the Washington post, there's a story about Adam Kilgore, uh, and the title of it is, uh, the USMNT's Walker Zimmerman is a very good soccer player. He might be a better teammate, uh, and it is it is a story. It's a it's a big kind of takeout profile of of Zimmerman and kind of his career and kind of how he got to this point and how he kind of arrived a little later than some into kind of being uh, a, a a stalwart for the U.S. team. Uh, but there are just some there's some great stuff in there that I just never heard about him before. There's some stuff the the stuff about he and his Dallas teammates. Uh, gaming a local Dave and Buster's to get maximum tickets on one day, like two for one tickets on one day, and then go back and like playing them at like four for one uh, a couple of days later uh, to in order to get enough tickets. I think he said in there that he got like two PS2s and a and an Xbox. What kind of games of, are they giving away I, at, at, well, at at Dave and Buster's these days? You gotta read. You gotta read the piece because he, he said. He said they were playing so much that like it was starting to affect his shoulder. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it's a it, it's a great piece, but I, I mean Zimmerman has a reputation justifiably as being uh, as being a nice, genuine guy, uh, and this piece uh, is only gonna is only gonna deepen that. You should absolutely awesome. you should awesome. absolutely pick up this piece. It's in the it's in the Washington Post. Go, I, I tweeted it out. 
here this week uh and I'll, and I'll tweet it again uh here when the when the when the show goes up because it's it is just absolutely fantastic my recommendation is a very short piece written in 2014 by a man named steve cavendish about the benefits and joy and wonderful nature of thanksgiving in the nashville scene go check out my twitter account or his twitter account and just give yourself some quick perspective and stop the war on thanksgiving this this war on thanksgiving will not stand this unchecked aggression will not stand (laughs) man okay This garbage about the war on Christmas, while it continues to swallow up other holidays every single year, is a crock of shit that is being sold to you by a bunch of charlatans. Thanksgiving is the best single day of the calendar year. Don't take it for granted. That's all I have to say. Go to Jasper's. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the World Cup. Thank you to Tony and Jamie for being so awesome and giving us so much time. For Steve Cavendish, I am Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, and vote for us for the best podcast in Nashville on the Sobros Network. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>